HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Hello, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm your host, Darren Bresnitz. We have a fantastic sit down with Steve Schwartz, the founder, CEO, master tea blender of Art of Tea. We have an incredibly insightful conversation about his travels around the world how he started hand-mixing tea in his living room, and how he shared his vision of what tea can bring to people all over the world. And then it's a dive into the archive for a performance from Star Child and the New Romantic. It's a great live performance, a little bit of electro, a little bit of R&B, a little bit of synth cascading all of us on this Sunday. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on Heritage Radio Network.
Steve, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I see you sipping tea. I read it's probably Ancient Forest, or have you a new blend in front of you today? I am uh, a big fan of Japanese green teas, so mm. I can sip on high-quality Japanese green teas all day, specifically Gyokuro. We have one called Matcha Plus, which is Sencha. It's a green tea, shaded for a couple weeks to really bring that chlorophyll up, and then dusted with ceremonial-grade matcha. And it's just You get that best of both worlds, matcha and, and high-quality leaf, whole leaf green tea combined in one. And it's just it's, – it's like – it's like fresh cut grass and uh, sweet corn mixed together. If you, you could imagine that, I can. And listen, I I'm not going to pretend that I'm a uh, I'm a tea drinker in the morning. I'm a, I'm a coffee guy in the morning. And I found that even listen, even when I get different beans from different parts of the world, I will say at best the difference is subtle. And I'm sure people will argue with me to the face but like the diversity of tea of like how you could really start your day is such a a wide and beautiful thing different mood different day different place in the world like is that what's informing your cup or are you uh you're like i just need i travel with me i have my sachets on me (laughs) at all times listen i i enjoy a good cup of coffee i definitely go to the dark side from time to time oh okay yeah, yeah, I, I'm not ashamed. I, I, I you know, um, I think there's some phenomenal roasters that are out there that are doing some really incredible of work, course. and I appreciate their craft. When it comes to tea, over 98 percent of what you're drinking is is water, so you want yeah. to make sure you're pulling from a really clean source of leaves. Um, and so, yeah, it could be based on what ritual or mood or energy that I might be looking for, and tea can really help kickstart that. Not just based on the caffeine content, but also the polyphenols, the flavonoids, the catechins, mm-hmm. all the other good mm-hmm. stuff for you that helps get you in that that mindset that we call tea mind. Ooh. Now, I know that tea is really personal. Well, it's personal to anyone who drinks tea, especially about the ritual and, and how you brew things that. But I know that you getting to tea uh, is deeply personal. Um, I'd love for you to share a little bit your experience of when you first started getting into it and what piqued your interest uh, in this art. Yeah. So a bit of, bit of a bit of a, um, a story here. So when I finished high school, mm-hmm. I got a full paid scholarship out of college uh, to uh, – uh, uh, sorry. When I finished high school, I got a full paid scholarship to, to go to college. And about six months into it, my mom got diagnosed with brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I dropped out of college, moved in with her, uh, and we went from one Western doctor to another Western doctor, really trying mm-hmm. to figure mm-hmm. out what can we do to help her in this healing process. And nothing worked for her. And there's nothing wrong with Western medicine. It just didn't work for, for, sure. for her mom. Of course. And so she ended up passing away, and it really woke me up so to learning yeah. about, thank you, I just curious about health and wellness and well-being. And um, but I didn't want to be a doctor and I didn't want to be a, a, a herbologist or an acupuncturist. Or, and they're, they're all interesting um, and gladly see them all. Um, but it just wasn't my calling. Uh, but I found the school in New Mexico mm-hmm. called the Ayurvedic Institute. And there I got to – and Ayurveda is a form of preventative medicine based out of India. And I learned about food combining and learned about herbology and learned mm. about health and wellness and um, was chosen as the only student advanced enough to work with the masters at my school on how to blend and source. And so this is before the internet really took off. Sure. So I, sure. um, it was faxing people and it, it, doing phone calls overseas where it was costing you know a few dollars a minute. And I was curious. I wanted to go overseas and see how uh, the herbs and botanicals and teas were grown. So. Um, I saved up my money. I worked four different jobs. I got a backpack and started traveling around the world to find the best teas and botanicals possible. So I had no idea that I was going to start a tea company. I just, at this point, I was just a huge tea nerd and into it and started bringing stuff back in my backpack, uh, mm. passing it out to friends and family, and then caught the attention of legality okay. on that was what was the legality? Uh, yeah. yeah Do- my, my, as, my dubious? Team says, Don't call it smuggling. Don't call yeah, it yeah, smuggling. Yeah. My team yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> just samples you know you bring back souvenirs yeah. for friends and family and sometimes you blend them and and give them out right 
these are the early days. Yeah, this is these are the early days. Um, and you couldn't get this stuff. I mean, you can only get no. supermarket teas, which is yeah. sitting on a shelf for a long period of time, and who knows how. And we're like, oh, you know, we we got to be able to offer something that's just. I guess I grew up thinking about tea as being a paper tea bag that you can get at a supermarket. Sure. You need to add lemon or, or milk or sugar, and it was gross. Until I had real tea, and then I realized I I have an a duty in this world and a responsibility to share this with as many people as possible. And so our mission still to today is to impact as many lives as we can through tea. So let me ask you this, because you get into this biology, you get into this mixing and people are recognizing your skill. Like how did you get to a level so quickly? Like what did you understand about tea or what do you understand about tea today that other people, even in your profession, may not understand. How did you get to that knowledge so quickly? I, I think my uh, training at the Ayurvedic Institute was really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only do I get a base understanding of how you know different flavors impact each other. So when you think about, I don't know if you play piano or, or sure. any instrument, but imagine hitting the keyboard and and it's one thing to hit one note at a time, but combining the notes. And sequence is what makes it sound so freaking beautiful. So in the same way, um, the way that one botanical and another botanical that on their own may have two very different conflicting flavor profiles, when you combine them together, it unlocks very unique flavor um, and, and sensations. So I was part of a rash uh, you know, uh, group of students where every Thursday we would fast and we would just – consume one botanical on that thursday through like a a tea format and we'd see how it impact our taste as the first Mm. stage of digestion how it impact our digestion and then the post-digestive effect um and so um i I got really sort of in tune with the micro uh, effects of each ingredient and so i think that that training also really helped me understand Mm. how to blend and, and work with different botanicals in unique ways i mean that's that's pretty incredible to go that dedicated to the fact that you're you're fasting and and I know I, I stepped on you a little bit before, but you you did mention that you got your tea to to Wolfgang Puck. Um, how did that happen? Like you know, I know you're bringing the tea back. I know tea in the early two thousands was more of like an underground thing, and I I have this idea of like meeting up in parks and handing off like different bags of tea, but it's probably not as like none of that. clandestine no, as that, that, right? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but how did you get into the food world? How did the word start to spread out of like the tea underground into the more established restaurants of LA? Um, I was bringing stuff back, uh, you know, into my living room and I just started blending and creating things for friends sure. and for family. And, uh, and then um, – I, I, I literally knocked on their door and I knocked mm. on several restaurants and several um, places doors. And they're like, what is this? We haven't seen anything like this before. Well, why not just have it be in a bag? Why does that have to be loose? At this point, we were just only doing loose leaf teas. Um, and so part of it was the education. I love training and talking about tea. And so knowing that I was working with a group of foodies that were so into it, like we know about our fishmonger. And yeah, we know about our coffee guy that's going to different parts of the world, but tea, this is a whole new world for us. And so um, I think just with passion, I just wanted to help as many people as possible really understand. Because mm. if you ask most people, they don't know that much about tea. They think no. it's just leaves and water. Um, there's so much to unpack. Um, so yeah, that's that, I think the educational piece is what got me really excited. So traveling to these different parts of the world, especially this young pre-internet, at least definitely like pre-social media where you could really feel that you've gone to a place without going there, which is a phrase I hate saying, but I, I you know, I think you know what I'm what I'm implying. Yeah. What totally. was your experience like in these other countries? What were the meals like? Did you catch any music? How immersed in the culture did you get to really understand, you know, the product that you were uh, bringing back and, 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 uh, tasting and brewing and things like that. Yeah. I, I remember one of the first trips that I did to Asia, uh, I, I, there's multiple trips that I did before mm-hmm. really starting to, um, lock in our suppliers. But one was, 
I was like, oh, there's this trade show on tea that was happening. I think it was in Beijing. I was like, I'm going to go. I'm an American. They're going to want to work with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so I walked in, you know, you know cocky and, and confident. And there, a lot of the responses, one, we don't speak your language. In fact, there's more people that are learning English in China that speak English in America. And, and, mm-hmm. and the, to that, like, there's more people in our country in China that we can sell tea to. Um, why would we even bother selling to you? Hmm. So I realized that I need to go multiple layers deep and work with mm. the farms. And so part of it was going to these remote areas, getting a moped, and just you know trying to meet with different farmers and growers on my own. Even finding interpreters was challenging because how can you um, break down some of the nuances when it comes to tea um, and the local dialects and have that translated into, into English? So it took lots of iterations, lots of going back and forth. Um, and, and that's just China, not to mention working with Japan and working with India and other parts of the world. Uh, but really just a passion for one, understanding what's happening on the root level into mm. how to be able to translate that in, into our society here in the United States. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's a man, that's amazing and inspiring. Um, all right, let's take a quick musical break. I'm going to come back. I want to talk about launching, uh, art of tea from that same living room and how you've grown and, and scaling up and um, everything that comes with that. We have a song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network.
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are here with Steve Schwartz, CEO, Chief Creator, Master Tea Blender of Art of Tea. And before the break, we're talking about you making tea in your living room, making blends and things like that. Um, friends and family, doing it for restaurants, but not the business that it is today. When did you first get that idea that this could be bigger, that this could be something that was more formalized? So I was, I was working um, at, a, at a full-time job as I was starting to create this tea company on the side. And eventually I needed to make a decision. Mm. I was like, okay, I, I could work this path of uh, this career path. Um, and, uh, and that's great. That's one path. I recently got married. It was back in 2004. And it was like, or I could do this crazy thing and go all in on tea. Hmm. And, and yourself is really and yourself, yeah, and yourself, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And in fact, my I'm super grateful for my wife because she was the one that was like, you know what, you could always go back the sure. career path. Like, why don't you lean in and do this crazy thing and try starting a tea company? So I was like, all right, you know what, let's do it. I just need to make, I think it was like five hundred dollars a week. You know, if I just make five hundred dollars a week and then move up to a thousand dollars a week in sales. That you know, and extract all our expenses of the product, and you know the labels, and I'll do customer service and marketing and bookkeeping and sales and blending and everything else, and, and that'll cover the basis. And then eventually, I needed to hire someone. I didn't even have the budget for it, but <laughs> um, and I didn't have anyone in my wheelhouse that I could turn to sure, for advice. Sure, sure, So I just started as I was driving around dropping stuff off or teas off the different restaurants that we were working with, it's like, okay, I need to turn my car into a university. Mm. And so I've just listened to books on CD and on my iPod. Uh, wow. I'm really taking myself here. Um, but I just would surround myself with wisdom of people that have had experience in time management and productivity and mm. sales growth. And so that helped me move to a place where, I could hire a couple people to free me up to do what I really do well, and they could help me with some of the other things that I suck at. And I suck at a lot of things, but these guys were really helpful for a, a few things that I needed to take off my plate. I mean, listen, you know, the world wants everyone to be a unicorn these days, and that's yeah. just not the case. I mean, few people could blend as well as you can. That doesn't mean just because you're not as good as making a blended P&L, like – it's like you know it's like i'll worry about the tea i'll bring someone else in to worry about the numbers i'll keep an eye on the numbers (laughs) yeah but you know so you're you're you get the business off the ground um and it's one thing to sell to restaurants who want to pay for this who want to pay your premium for tea um and while tea today is obviously in a different spot than when you started almost 20 years ago. Yeah, it'll be 20 years ago, 2024. 2024. I imagine you had to do a lot of education and like get more people to understand like what this is and why it costs more. And without besmirching the available tea, because at least like that opened the door for a market in America. Super grateful for for the Lipton's of the world. Of course. Yeah, all those Starbucks. Yeah, super grateful for those companies. How did you find that balance? How did you? teach people and then teach people to be like, drink my tea. Yeah. You know, uh, one argument might be if I'm selling to one restaurant and they're next to several other restaurants, well, what makes Mm. your steak different? What makes your wine selection different? You know, what makes your salad dressing different? And if they're able to answer those questions, which most likely they will, they'll flex their muscles and showcase why what they do is so great. Um, then we can come in or I can come in and, and help share, share some of the benefits of our tea program. Um, and we're not typically sold on supermarket shelves. So we, you will find our products in Erewhon um, if you're located in Los Angeles area. But other than that, you won't find us at you know big box stores, uh, the, you know the Costco's or the um, Target's or the Whole Foods of the world. Like We're really focused on hospitality. So we've stayed true to mm. two major things. One is that direct source link sure. of working with farms. And I just got back from India about a week and a half ago, working with our farms there um, and our farmers and, and crafting amazing, delicious teas. So taking that, bringing that into our warehouse, we still do our own blending by hand and packing by hand. 
um, and focusing really on that hospitality channel. So it's hotels, resorts, cafes, all throughout the United States. We've expanded over the you know course of 20 years to the Maldives, Singapore, mm. Japan. Uh, and we do some really fun projects. With, we just did three blends for the White House. Uh, we do custom blends for Google. We do stuff for Shangri-La or for uh, Caesars Palace. We've created a unique tea blend uh, for them. And in fact, I trained the first tea sommelier in the United States, uh, and they're they're based at they were based at Caesar's Palace. Wow! Um, but I mean, I guess that makes sense with so many international people coming in, so many high rollers having that custom niche of a tea sommelier is just another way. Like you said, like this is how our casino is different. This is yeah. why you're coming here. Yeah, no, it's a, it's yeah. it's a it's a beautiful thing. And what's it been like going back to the countries? where you first went and had to work your way in making a tea and selling it to people who know and have had tea as such a part of their culture for so long. What's that full circle journey like for you? Um, I think that there's a love affair between mm. uh, let's take, let's take Japan as an example Yeah, with um, we tend to love what's coming out of Japan, whether it's like, you know, uh, music or technology mm-hmm. or animation uh, imagination, imagination projects. And that same love affair is very much in play with the West coast, you know, with, um, concrete brands from Levi's to really cool food concepts. And so, um, if we're taking something that has been so entrenched in the culture in Japan and we're having our own West coast spin on this, um, and delivering that back, um, it's it's awesome seeing how we're able to rework something that mm. maybe they were seeing in one way, and now you know we're able to tweak it and have a, a different sort of creative spin on it. Yeah, in many ways, some places that are tied to tradition and saying we can't do it this way, and then you go mm-hmm. like, we're not as tied to that tradition because it's still novel to us, or let's just be frank, like we're American and we're willing to blow things up and put them back together in our own way. And then present it back to someone else saying like, just here's something that we love and respect, but we've taken a little, little different way of approaching it and presenting it. Yeah. And they love it. They love the creative edge. And I'm super grateful for working with Japan because they've helped us get very myopic on how our packaging, how we apply our labels, how we seal our bags. I mean, they've, they're very technical um, and they want things presented in a very precise way. So that's gotten our team very much aligned with how are things presented to the customer and and what's the challenging part is getting that dialed in right to ship across the ocean and have that arrive in the same exact condition. Um, But they've continued to help push and drive um, what we do uh, for the better. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful relationship. Uh, I want to go back to what you're saying about creating these custom blends um, for about as, high of a caliber of client as you can take me through that process. Like when someone comes to you, let's say it's the, well, let's use the white house as an example. How do they come to you? How does it go through your brain? What music are you listening to when you're putting the blend together? Like, like what's the creative process when someone says like, I want I want custom from you. Yeah. It it could be a little bit different for each one. So for example, Mm -hmm. um, uh, some of the blends have been created by accident. <laughs> I remember when I was first blending teas, uh, um, I had I was on the phone with a customer and I accidentally blended one ingredient of one blend into another, and I just let it sit on a shelf. And I was like, oh, "I'll just I'll just forget about this." And my wife walks in into the living room. She notices it. I'm like, what is that? I was like, "Oh, it's a mistake. Don't ask me." It's like, "Well, have you tried it?" I'm like, "No, no, I didn't. I know it's bad. Oof, believe me, I know." She's like, "Well, you might want to try it." And sure enough, she was right. And it was really good. And it's by far one of our best-selling uh, mm. caffeine-free blends that we have. So some of it's by mistake. In, in cases like a hotel, let's take there's a hotel that we work with called Shutters on the Beach. And the general manager of that hotel said, here is a signature scent. And it's a shampoo wow. bottle. And I know no one's going to want to drink shampoo. But can you can you take some of the, sure, the top of course. notes yeah. 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 And, yeah. No, and I get come it. up with a blend? And so – um, I, I went back and that using that piano analogy of the different notes and I blended and he's a wine sommelier. So on the first sip, he's like, I, I don't know how you did this, but you nailed it. Let's go. Let's do this. Wow. In terms of the, 
In terms of the White House, um, or I'll take another example. We work with the Huntington Gardens and, you know, touring their property. Yeah. And seeing like, what are the different botanicals grown on property? What, you know, the different seasons of the year where we can take those different botanicals, the different essences, and how can we blend that into the tea? So we have a couple signature blends that we do for the Huntington Gardens. In terms of the White House, the White House was, we got an email from the State Department and it was like, okay, let's contact IT. Like, what's going on? This right. is obviously spam. And they're like, no, no, we need an answer. Like, you know, what's happening? And this is this is a gift that's going to be on behalf of the the um, the first lady for uh, there's something called the Summit of the Americas, and it was for um, all leaders of North America to South America sure, that were coming. Sure. And we need we need to be a gift on behalf of the White House. So it had here's the signature of, uh, you know, here's the White House logo and here's Dr. Joe Biden's uh, signature. Can you put that on your label? And like, okay, I mean, okay. this is real, right? And so um, what flavors do you want? Like, well, we need something that's, you know, represents United States. We need something that represents local economy. We need something that represents creativity and innovation. And so we came back with a few different ideas and concepts and and, uh, and and they loved them, and we just we moved forward. It was great. It's weird, and I'm still like shocked. Yeah. Starting my living room and and uh, now doing stuff in the White House. It's, it's really I mean, cool. it it speaks to to your skill. Uh, I will oh, say, dude, first of my, all, I, my wife and I, I are huge fans of the uh, hibiscus blend at Huntington Garden. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's cool. That's good. Thank you. I, you know, I, I the whole thing about like being proud and being like you know, accomplishments. Sure. Like I, I feel so blessed with our team. I feel so blessed with the opportunity to be able to do this. Like, um, I, I don't know how much of it is luck and how much of it is timing and, and, and perseverance, but, but a big part of it is definitely our team. I mean, like it would not be where we are if it wasn't for just an incredibly talented, gifted group of people that, that really believe in what we're doing. And it's amazing that you can fit 24 people into your living room. I'm sure your wife really loves that. <laughs> yeah. No, we're out of our living room. We work out of a beautiful space in, uh, just uh, east of uh, downtown Los Angeles in Monterey Park. Oh, know, yeah. capital of uh, I love it. Los I mean, Angeles. We, can, we, we can talk about dim sum on, uh, yeah. all day. Um, so let me ask you one last question. Um, you've been in, in the T-Lab all day. You've done all your calls. You're not traveling. You're at home, sun setting over, you know, over LA. What are you drinking? What's on the stereo? How are you winding down? Yeah, it's a great question. All, all of them. It depends on the day. So, for example, yeah. Friday at sundown, we turn everything off. We're, we do a mm. full digital detox. There's no music. There's no technology. Um, we... Um, we, we yeah from Friday night to Saturday night it's a full digital detox wow. and so That's amazing the, the tea, yeah I got to tell you just you know zapping out of technology a little bit uh, you realize how much your battery your internal battery needs to be yeah. recharged, recharged. so I, I make eye contact with my kids and my wife we actually have face to face conversations we uh, play card games I mean all sort of old school stuff that we probably grew up with. We're, we're doing on a weekly basis and the tea that we're drinking, we take one of our most popular blends called Earl Grey creme and I mm. take fresh mint and I muddle the mint and that's what I use. Um, and that's our, our, uh, Friday night and Saturday drink. Yeah. Mm. That sounds fantastic. Earl Grey with mint. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, uh, so it's, it's not just, Earl, so what makes Earl Grey creme? Earl yes. Grey? I'm so sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think I have it. I think you sent me some, and it's it's. Uh, oh, you got to try it. It's sitting in the cupboard. I'll just grab some mint from the garden. Um, well, Steve, congratulations on everything. Uh, one last question: If I want a custom blend, and I'm just a normal person, are you open to that? I mean, I'm and I'm speaking as an avatar for the listeners. Like, can I get a custom blend? How long does it take? Is that even an option? Yeah, it's a great question. There's got to be synergy. There's got to be good why behind it. I'll give you two examples. One, um, actually, one I can't talk about yet. We're doing a really cool project <laughs> that should be launching yet. I sure. wish I could talk about it. I'm so yeah. excited to start talking yeah. about it, but um, uh, depending on when this airs. But we just, we about a year 
a year and a half ago, we did um, a project with Try Guys, Zach from Try mm. Guys. And, and uh, he's like, Steve, we want, we want to do something where we're launching a tea business. Um, can we create some blends, can we create mm. some products? And it was great. I mean, we got like millions and millions of views, lots of people excited about what it takes to start a business online. Um, and the traction was really, really fun. But it, 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 we went back and forth on, yeah. you know, what is it going to take? How's, how's this going to look? But I recommend it. If, you, if you're just, um, if you just want to learn more about tea, you want to get into it. When we have on our website, artatea.com, a whole academy on how to learn more about tea. And two, you can buy different teas and different botanicals and just experiment on your own. Mm. Play with it. I think Cut a lot of times open. people are, yeah, man. It, it, <laughs> People, I think, are somewhat afraid of messing up with tea. Sure, I don't want to make it wrong. I don't, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to oversteep it. Screw up, fail faster on trying to make a good tea concoction that works with you. Uh, and over time, you'll you'll develop that muscle and that strength. Amazing. Well, if people want to order tea or see where you know they can get it in the real world, uh, or just learn more about tea itself, where can they go? How, how can they follow along? Uh, Instagram art of TLA, uh, or our website, art of com, And, uh, uh, also wrote a book about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. it's a best-selling book in the hospitality space and tea and coffee space also called art of tea. Awesome. Well, next time we're at Huntington, we'll enjoy a cup just a little bit more because we got a chance to yeah. talk with you. Um, big shout out to Parker and Diana for helping set this up. We have a song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back. Star Child, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing pretty good. Love that shirt. Yeah, man. Thank you. That is... That classic is. twin shadow. Shout out to George. Shouts out to George. Papi. He's holding it down uh, Ten of the Tree right now for his weekend, <laughs> Twin Sunday. He does like a food dance party attendance out in L.A. Really? Yeah. It's oh. really cool. A couple of dance-offs. Mm-hmm. He always looks... He all, like, I always roll in on Sunday looking bedraggled. <laughs> Fresh. Yeah. Always looks fresh. He's always fresh. Uh, so, uh, welcome to the show. Hey. Really good to have you here. Nice to talk to brothers, man. Twins. Yeah. Are you a brother? Twins. Yeah, I'm one of four. Really? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What uh, What were you guys playing in the house? What music was on the stereo growing up? Um, A lot of, like, Stevie Wonder, I think. A lot of, like, Stevie Wonder Genius Cycle mm. type stuff. Um, we, we went to, like, a... A, a pretty poppin' church called Union Temple in, in Southeast D.C. Had a great music, like, uh, division. 
And so we got a lot of that and uh, a lot you, of Michael Jackson. Were you involved in the uh, church of, music program? Uh, no, I wasn't. My, my mother uh, was growing up. But uh, we got a lot of that. And then we also got, like, all the great 90s radio stuff. Like, I was a huge DMX fan. Like, Jay, uh, like Jay-Z, early Rockefeller, Bad Boys, Nelly. Like, uh, that, And then we moved to Atlanta. Uh, and we went to the middle school and high school that like, Usher and Sierra and all these kids went to. So that was, like... That's where we got a lot of so classic Motown gospel pop R and B R and B and then also I was um, I spent a little time at, in in the Unification Church which has its weird uh, kind of like connection to John Denver which okay. was probably my first entrance into like <laughs> traditional you know Caucasian folk music right for lack of better phrase. I- I think did, John <laughs> did, you, Denver, did you grow yeah. any affinity for that or was oh like, I love country roads are you serious okay. and then it's weird being a but pick- like everyone but I mean everyone loves that song yeah N- any other John Denver songs well that was like the only one we were supposed to sing okay. but I did see his like biography movie and had a little affinity towards his stories sad tragic figures I mean it's good uh, storytelling really good storytelling great storytelling. great storytelling more than just like as much as I love Sierra like ride it is not the most. I mean that's a great story too. But like but Sierra's catalogs is is wide and vast too. Like she yeah. has a song like Promise and sure. Promise is, is one of the best written songs of that decade. Like, you know. Yeah. That's and produced and performed. That song's amazing. So going up mm-hmm. growing, going to that high school, was that just like kind of like all the middle school. Middle school. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um going to the middle school was I uh, all the kids like listened to it like that was like the predominantly on like the playlist or other th- just Yeah. <laughs> I mean like it was crazy. Like I remember the week where like uh get Richard Die Trying came out. Yeah. It was like the month and like the Love Below came out and all that stuff and people having debates over what's the better like album and and I was like always the guy who was like trying to put each record in their proper context. Oh, it's like, like listen, you know, I, I get like, what hey. you're saying. I mean, no, no, look, I was in Atlanta, so it was like predominantly there was a lot of black folk, but there was a lot, like a lot of white kids who loved classic rock, and I'd have to have full on arguments about why like. You know, Jimmy Page's like pentatonic solos ain't really cutting it against like Carlos Santana or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? But like, this is sixth grade, you know? Yeah, right. And they don't really understand. I was like, no, but like, you have to understand where like, if Jimmy Page was sitting here right now, he would be like, he would be agreeing with me. Yeah, he would be. He'd be like, he's right. He's right. Like, <laughs> you know? like note for note, he's right. Like, I can't argue with. Or like Guns N' Roses. I mean, but I love all. The, I love everything. So when did you start uh, getting into making your own music, or how did that kind of come about? Um, you know, I, I was born in '92, so like all the kids know the day when they got a, a cell phone or got like mm-hmm. internet access, you know, or like a Mac kind of access. So sure. I think around the time I got GarageBand at some point in, in middle school, it was like, oh, here are the Pharrell esque tools for me to assemble these musical ideas that have always, you know, been around. I think by that time, the idea of making your own music had become way more accessible than. Absolutely. Like we, because we we grew up, we were born eighty two, mm-hmm. and the idea of like making a record or making music, really until like Mac just became and Garage Band was like, wait, you can actually make music unless you had a guitar or something like that. Right. So was your approach uh, like, did you just like play around with beats and loops and singing, or did you have like, any musical training, or was it more like computer program first and then other stuff mm-hmm. came in? Well, my, all of my musical training was kind of. Steeped in, I'm uh, in like tenor saxophone and symphonic marching band. Oh, nice. And I kind of like taught myself all the other instruments. But in terms of like music production, it was like I went straight to making beats and rapping. And like me and my brothers used to rap and stuff. And I would be the one who would cut up all the samples and like chop it up. And- Favorite marching band song though? Oh man, in marching band? Yeah. It's like it's a it's a dead heat tie between like. Earth, Wind, and Fire in the Stone and, like, Cameo talking out the side of your neck. It's like, <laughs> you know, man, because those horn lines are just nasty. Yeah. Um, can we get a song? Yeah, sure. What are you going to play for us um, first? Fittingly, I'll play one of the first songs when I transition from rapping predominantly to singing songwriting. What's it called? It's called All My Lovers. Okay, great. Live on Snack Tunes.
quite a lot of lovers I know that you're used to these parts of town Maybe I'm new to this type of rapture And it's been mighty hard getting down to you All night long I spend with the love of mine Here and after You're the one that's on my mind Cause all of my lovers They look the same as you And I don't know why But if she asks you Then tell no one What took you from Rap. Atlanta to New York? Um, from well, so I'm, I'm from DC and grew up in Maryland, and then we moved down to Atlanta about five years, and then we moved back to Maryland mm. for um, high school. And uh, I guess just the you know the old school college situation. I had some irons in the fire, and one of them was SUNY Purchase nice. Acting yeah. Conservatory. How's your acting game? It's good. I got a video dropping tomorrow. It's like a mini little short film. So yeah. There's a little bit of that. What's the premise? What's the song? Um, it's the mood you okay. guys played mm-hmm. earlier. Um, it's kind of like, I guess all the videos I do, they're trying to just deal with the influences and, and deal with how I've kind of, you know, there's, I mean, there's a long story of like self-identity and trying to figure out who you are, especially as a black man and a young black boy. Like, And so my influence is all the people have kind of like, in many ways, and everyone can relate to it, it, you figure out kind of what you want to do or what you can possibly do. You know, representation kind of matters. So the video is like a cauldron of all these different influences, like Michael Jackson Bad video and mm. um, all the other people I've played for and stuff like that. I mean, you've played for some... You've got, you've you've got, got a, a nice nice list of rosters of collaborators. Good being people. Yeah. 24, I would say. Three. 23. Oh, that's all right. No, no, it's okay. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, I know the Solange tour happened while you were in college, which we both saw you uh, play. Mm-hmm. And then we saw the Bowery Ballroom show. Yeah. And a bunch of those. Oh. Yeah. And we've known Dev for a long time from the show and other stuff we, we've done with him. So from his short-lived magic career. Yeah. He is awesome at sleight of hand magic. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. True story. True so, fact. Oh. Now that you are kind of like you know playing like supporting roles, and now you are really moving into your own kind of stuff, how has like the tables been turned where you supported them and then they are now supporting you? Or what advice have they given you as you start to branch out on your own? Yeah, career? I, I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't say it's 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 like that. Yeah. yet. I mean, I'm just waiting until Solange drops her album. It's it's going to be phenomenal, mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm so super stoked to to play and help help her out in any way. It's been cool, I guess, because. 
they all um, our relationships kind of were founded off of like we got to meet each other and they knew that yeah. I had these talents or things that I could do to help contribute and um, part of like the audition processes were like I played them some of my music so they kind of know or knew and I've been talking to Dev since I was 17 and sending him stuff and it's like the, it, we're all just kind of like friends and family and it's it's they're just really supportive they're like yeah alright that's awesome I mean it's so nice I think especially I would say maybe with like the internet and social media and things like that like mm-hmm. it's never been easier to be supportive or to like find collaborations um, in the same way when you talk about just getting garage band it's just like all right, I really want to work with you. I'm gonna track you down. I think I think that was it's your tricky. story. With, yeah, it's, but it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. It's to, tricky to, to say because it's there's a fine line. Like I, I like to talk about it. Like I, my family, we're all from Mississippi and, and Native American, and there's there's a level of like intuition and, and primitive dreams and things like that. I don't want to get into so much, but I'll say this: I wouldn't have contacted any of those people if I didn't really deeply feel like. I had a I had a place with them or to help or can you, like. Can you, you talk know. a little bit more about that? So, for instance, like uh, I mean, I'll do interviews and people will be like, oh, or I'll play shows and people are like you're just like blood orange and stuff. And and sometimes it can really come off like you know uh, uh, divisive or sure. something like that. But but really, it's like you know, Dev and I, we can just sit in a room and talk. Me and Adam, kindness and yeah. Solange, we can talk about like Solange has a shelved country record that she made when she was younger than me you know what i mean like we all have the same kinds of influences and just cut from Mm. the same cloth in different corners of the table is that country album all john denver covers not at all i don't (laughs) believe so at all they're all original and like amazing really yes but i mean i think like the concept of that is like as you find your place in the world like you find your people yeah like i mean i i I only know from from traveling and you know doing the the work that i do it's like you find people and you chat with them but then like you'll sit down next to someone and have a conversation and two hours will go by when normally it's like three minutes and you're just like how how do i get out of this and Mm -hmm. then you find those people and you never want to let them go like ever so it's like and it's rad to find people that you can also work with and be creative with and just you say like four words and like yep right i totally get it or the people that you can trust who are gonna who are gonna edit you and say no that's not a good idea oh totally which is rarer than the people who are just like yeah man that's great oh that's so great and you're like are you is that is it really great really is it really great uh can we hear another song yeah oh wait did you have a thought well i was gonna (laughs) say um you know i never like Plan, and even now, it's not like I have some kind of plan or anything like that. I'm only, you know, there's a great Blanche Dubois line where she's like, I've always um, relied on the kindness, relied on the kindness of strangers. strangers. And it's like, I, I wouldn't have been here if it weren't from my best friend Chester, who's Lord Raja on Ghostly, trying to like tell me like, hey man, like you, <laughs> you can really rap and stuff and like you should just rap over these beats. And then like that happened and that was mm. a mixtape and then it was like met some folk like James Blake and these people were like no you should sing and it's like not that I haven't been doing these things since I was really young but like you know you grow up in a family in a community where you go to church and people are like singing to the hilt and yeah. those people aren't signed like they go back they go home and they raise their kids and it's like really humbling to you so I grew up being like yeah, I could do all these things but like I'm only gonna do the one I'm tried and tested in and like right. you know so acting was that thing but it's been nice with the support system to feel support it's good um, it's good to have encouragement yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's the name of the next song uh, next song is uh, Slammin' Mannequin okay awesome well here we have Slammin' Mannequin live on Snacky Tunes Shines and let it in. 
Who's to say that you're not falling in love with me? In love with me? You could be my slam mannequin. Greatest fashions and let it in. Who's to say that you're not falling in love with me? Is it in my mind or do you fit in my heart right there? From the window I see so clear your face, your hair. I can't get enough of you and what you do. Be my girl for a day or two now. When we speak, said no one knows you strike a pose, you let it go. Whether I love you so, I've got to let you know that you could be my slamming mannequin girl. Rock the greatest fashions and let it in, baby. Who's to say that you're not falling in love with me, baby? You can be my slamming mannequin girl. Rock the greatest That's uh, nice a little sample in there. Yeah, all right. Yeah, a little fun. So, uh, yeah, you can go. No, you go. Um, so, out video drops tomorrow. Yes. And uh, what does the rest of your year look like? Um, what would you like it to look like? I might. Well, I'm, uh, man, it might be premature to say. I might be doing. Speaking of George, I might be doing this Purple Rain Meadowlands. Oh yeah, I him. saw that. That looks amazing. I mean, you did, you did Sign of the Times in full, right, at Brooklyn Bowl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, how was that? Well, that day, my dad was stuck in Peru and had to have emergency surgery. Oh, no. And then also, at the same time I found that out, I found out that we had been moved early in the slot because none other than Usher and the Roots were going to play right after us. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I mean, and, and who's, said, who's bumping us? Who's bumping? That's fine. No, no, it wasn't even. <laughs> it's funny. But it was just like, at that point, I was such a shell shock. I was like, all right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Did you pull some like alum, like high school, oh, sorry, middle school alum card with Usher? Oh man, I didn't get to I didn't get to meet him, mm. but um, I did have a private powwow with Questlove though, which Is was it, pretty he's awesome. Yeah, especially when he's playing you all the most rare prints you could ever imagine. The stuff that people always thought was deleted, and that's all I'm gonna say on that. Oh mm. man, uh, so you might play with George for the medals, which looks like I mean that sun that Sunday lineup. I mean the weekend looks good, but that Sunday lineup looks. Incredible. Crazy. Explain yeah. to the people what it is. Uh, it's the new Governor Ball uh, Festival in October. Yeah. And that Sunday, it's like George doing Purple Rain and Food, but also Chance and Kanye. Mm-hmm. And I mean, th- I mean, that's kind of, I mean, there's more, but you know, that's, that's enough for a Sunday. Bonkers. Yeah. Um, and then you are working on a new LP as well. Sure. I am yeah. okay. working on a new LP. It's a lot of, because crucial, the last EP I put out was, was kind of, it, it was a, the project of college and stuff and so a lot of that was finished and i've been writing the lp for some time now and it's it's coming it's coming it, it's time it's time to birth it it's time uh and then uh some upcoming shows in august as well right yes um uh, august 10th 
at Come On Everybody, and I believe August 16th at the House of Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, we want to make sure we have time for one more song. Also, congrats oh. on the New York Times. Thank you piece. so much. Yeah, that was like really cool to see as well. And that's like, I mean, damn, dude, twenty three. Hey. Like, that's pretty. It's pretty rad. Good intuition. We've, we've always Thank said you. that um, you've really made it as a New Yorker when you get your name in the New York Times. Yeah. Wow. That that also like gets everyone off your back for at least a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, like, like it's good. Like, all right, mom, dad. Like, yeah. We're, yeah. Cool. we're cool. I know. We're I, cool. Got, yeah. I got the copies in my closet. Did you Did you send one to everyone to your brothers just to show them up? <laughs> hey, man. Wasn't sure if you saw it. Wasn't sure. Hope you're doing well. I dropped. I definitely dropped the link in the group text. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Can't, um, you can't sign a group text though. Um, so where can people find you? Find your EP. Find your tour date. For, tour dates. Get a hold of you. Um, I think all the music's on on Spotify and and title and what have you and um, I, you can check the Facebook page. It's just dot com slash this is Starchild and also my um, Twitter is Black Till the Future. It's B L K T I L the Future, like the film, but not the film. And then my Instagram is Bob McFerrin, like the man, but not the man. Uh, got it. And shout out to Sam from Ghostly. Yeah, shout and out Amanda to Sam as well. Quinty and Amanda Colinson. And this next song is the first single on the next LP is dedicated to them. I believe awesome. it said this is the first single off the new album. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Amazing. Uh, well, thanks to One Enthusiast Magazine. Darren, good to see you in studio. It's so good. Shout out to uh, the whole Heritage family. Dave, Patrick, Aaron. Hi to Anna and Ornella. Hi to Anna, Ornella. Shout out to Mom and Dad, to Meatball. And thank you for the uh, Roberta's Pizza. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. You went wild. Um, all right. Star Child, take us out. This song is called Hanging On.
Snacky Tunes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.